Good morning, everyone. Uh, great to be with you this morning. So as we saw uh, the last one, we will be uh, looking at I am the resurrection and the life. Um, so we've been hearing about many other uh, uh, so like, yeah, I am uh, a series. So today I will be focusing on this one. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. That is John 11. When I was looking, it's 55 words. You know, so if I take uh, one minute to read one verse, as English is my second um, you know, language, 55 minutes is gone. So I'm not going to do that one. So that's a good news. So I will be just telling the story in the beginning, then just uh, jump into the passage we are uh, focusing on. And uh, uh, the, the problem with this song, uh, the, this, uh, this story is we know the end. You know, it's a spoiler. <laughs> you know, so, you know, sometimes, oh, I know that last of the program there. I know, just like it. So we can sit back and relax. And, uh, but uh, the, the, the problem is we can miss what really want to speak to us. You know, so that sometimes uh, it, when it's coming to marriage and relationships, uh, the over-familiarity can kill the joy and celebration. Have you noticed that one? I know my husband, I know, I know, you know, just like it. But sometimes after some years, you know, we lose the momentum. But uh, God wants to revive us and to renew our heart. So I want to speak to you today from the depth of his heart so that we might believe in him, we might follow him. So, um, so this book is written by a, a guy called uh, uh, John. And he was a disciple of Jesus, um, and he's seen signs and wonders, especially John. If you look at the book of John, he used rather than miracles and wonders, he used signs, signs, signs. So signs are leading to something, pointing to something. And John used, uh, wrote this uh, incredible story in a way. Uh, and he, one thing keeps popping up again and again so that you may believe, so that you might believe, so that you may follow Jesus. The intention behind his storytelling was we want to fo- they, he wants us to follow Jesus. That's the way he is illustrating. There are key seven amazing spectacular signs or miracles happens in the book of John. This is the last one um, in John chapter 10. Uh, uh, so Jesus was uh, targeted, and he left Jerusalem, and he's coming to a place called Galilee. And, uh, and, the, he's a pl- and interestingly, that place is called Bethany or Bethania uh, in Greek. You know, so in the house, in our house, we talk 
uh, Greek as for conversation. So if I use some Greek, forgive me, you know, I know that you can't understand Greek that much. So uh, Bethania, and uh, this incident, the death of Lazarus is happening in Bethany, you know. So in one sense, similar words, uh, but similar name, but that's the context it is happening. Look at John. How can you write this story? So John, in Acts chapter 12, he faced something absolutely terrible. What happened? His brother was killed, you know, by the sword. And uh, at the same time, the same chapter, we can see that Peter was rescued and delivered, you know. So he wished the angel of God came and rescued my brother, but my brother didn't survive. But, uh, you know, so, so Peter was uh, uh, rescued from this uh, awful situation. And uh, so this is the author, you know, this is the place he lived. He already seen absolutely um, shocking uh, life experience at the same time he seen spectacular breakthrough of God. And he is the person writing about Lazarus. So he is qualified to write this one because he experienced big loss at the same time he's seen miraculous also. So throughout the gospel I mentioned, um, his, his intention is to take us to, to know Jesus and believe in him. Even Jesus mentioned that many, many times, you know. So in chapter 5, uh, verse 36, he says, uh, 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 Jesus says, but the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of the John the Baptist for the works, the work which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very work that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. So Jesus was communicating, whenever I do a miracle, it's not just to, to say that, look at me, I'm a cool dude. It's absolutely the purpose and the plan of Jesus has come to this earth, you know. So each, each miracle is followed by a greater message. In chapter uh, 7, uh, um, so uh, in, chapter, in chapter 21, verse 25, uh, uh, that's the way uh, uh, John is finishing his one. But all of these miracles of Jesus, all of them that John's chronicles are the purpose that you might believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have eternal life in his name. That's the purpose. So today, you are here invited by a random university friend or dragged by one of your family members. They go to church because you are part of City Church. You are a member of church. There is no other option on Sunday. So you turned up here or you love Jesus. You know, so that's the reason you are here. You didn't sleep well because of the excitement of celebrating Jesus' presence today. So I don't know what's the reason you are here. But one thing is really, really clear. This morning, God wants to communicate to you from his heart so that you might believe in him and you can have eternal life the reminder about eternal life and if you never had that one before he wants to give you today so you are in the perfect place to hear and god wants to communicate to you okay the scene is a guy is absolutely sick his name is lazarus and jesus loved this family very much and when he was sick Mary and Martha, or some of the family members, sent some of the messengers to Jesus, and he is 104 miles away from Bethany, 
okay? And uh, so maybe by horse or walk, or could be there is no helicopter or chopper at that time. There is no drone, there is no WhatsApp. They, somebody has to travel there. So they traveled and communicated to Jesus and said, Lazarus is sick. You know, he's, he is sick. You know, so the Mary who, brother, brother Lazarus, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, the Lord, the one you love is sick. So this is the message. Okay, interesting response from Jesus. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Can we say together, glorified? Okay, I know that you guys are a little bit disappointed with the rugby, so I'm not going there, you know, so uh, cheer up, you know. So there is another one coming next year, or oh, is it every year? Oh, four years, okay. I thought, okay, sorry. So that's you know, how much I know about uh, rugby, you know. So talk, talk to me about cricket, I'll talk you detailing, okay. Um, so, uh, so he's to glorify, you know, so Jesus saying he's not going to die, you know, he's not going to end up in death, but the purpose behind this situation, the son may be glorified through it. It's quite an awkward, shocking statement, you know, just like you're going to use that death to celebrate yourself, you know. Now Jesus loves Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that, Lazarus was sick. He ran. Now, what did he do? He stayed back for two more days. Thank you, Jesus. It's quite contradictory, you know. Jesus loved Lazarus very, very much. So he stayed two days, two more days. Interesting. Actually, some of the disciples were really relieved by that. They are really happy with that. <laughs> you know what? Because that's the same place they were running away to escape from stoning to death. <laughs> they just literally came back from that location, Judea, to this location. Whew, we are still alive, you know. So now the message is coming. It says, just come. This guy is sick and he lived in exactly two miles away from Jerusalem. You know, that's the place people are looking for to kill Jesus. That means his disciples also will be a target. So when Jesus decided to stay back, there's only one group of people was relieved. They were disciples. You will see that later. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there for two more days. And then he said to disciples, after two days, let's go back to Judea. The excitement is gone now. But Rabbi, they said, yes, a short while ago, the Jews were trying to stone you. And yet, you are going back. Do you want to reconsider? And you can glorify from here, dealing with that situation. We can, we can, you can manage that one. Shall we consider that one? Jesus, what did Jesus answer? Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight will not stumble, and they see by this world, world's light. It, it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no, no light. Jesus was literally saying, when I'm in the will of the Father, no one can touch me. He proved that again and again and again and again. Even though people tried to kill him, nobody was to do any harm to him. Jesus was 
communicating to these people as long as when you are in the will of God, when you are in the plan of God, nothing will happen to you outside God's plan. So when you are walking in God's presence, according to his purpose, you are walking in the light. In that light, you might receive persecution, then you know that God is in control over that situation. So you can walk in the freedom. So he's saying like, this time we are heading back. 11, verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus had fallen asleep. Disciples said, oh, at least he's not dead, you know. He's just having some rest now, you know. Less dramatic situation. I'm going to, to be there to wake him up. That's a bit more. Uh, 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 it's relieving. His disciples replied, Lord, you're very right, you know. I can also poke him. I can also sprinkle some water being part of your ministry. If he sleeps, he will be better, you know. Oh, what a prophetic advice, you know. What an insight. He will get better. <laughs> Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. He turned to him, he is dead. Really? Yes, he is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Can you say that word together? Believe. Which is the other word I ask you to repeat? Oh, you recovered from the rugby. Thank God, you know. So, okay, glorified. Now you might believe. For whose sake? For your sake. And for the sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. They didn't get it, you know, so the next one made me laugh. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go, let us also go, then we may die with him. Okay then, let's go then. He was thinking about the stoning, you know. When we arrive there, the, the Jews are going to wait there, you know, so... They are going to stone us, and Lazarus is already finished, and Jesus is going to die soon. What about us? We will also die. Let's go and die. So there is not much excitement or hope or anything. Even though Jesus was communicating very clearly, they said, let's go and die with him. I will come to the location of this place a little bit later, why Jesus chose this specific place. This is in the 11th chapter. When John was writing, there, is, there was no chapter. He was just writing that things came later. Actually, Bethany was the place when people traveling from Galilee or different parts of uh, the country to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. They can't miss this Bethania or Bethany, the house of the bread, you know. So the, 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 this place, you know, so they can't, uh, they can't, they can't miss this place. What does that mean? Whenever people walk through this area, they're going to hear again and again and again, this is the place Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. This is the place Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So they are going to, hundreds and thousands of people, they're going to hear this message. There is a reason, there is a reason Jesus placed that specific location to do his, uh, the last 
one of the greatest miracle he has ever done in that, in that book of John. So as they are approaching, there is a desperate flee for help, but he demonstrated his love through delay. He loved them. How did he demonstrate that? By delay. It is controversial. It is scandalous. So if you love someone, what do you do? You rush to the hospital. If you love someone, you rush to the sport. If you love someone, you, you don't think about anything. You just jump. But Jesus responds to this desperate plea by delay. We can't understand this one many times. We want to have things done in a very specific, quick, fast way. But Jesus responded by delay. And he's dead now. Death is a reality. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, chapter 8 says, No man has authority to restrain the wind. So also no man has authority over the day of death. You can do all the things, electric shock. You can do treatment for cancer. You can take this medicine, that medicine. You have limitation to stop the death. That's the reality. One day we all will die. You can't restrain it. That's the reality. And he arrived on the fourth day. On his arrival, verse 17, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in tomb for how many days, children? Two, four. How many days in the, in, inside? Four days. Now what I'm going to share contains extreme, pretty, grisly stuff, okay? Before the news readers, you know, so they will read, you know. So next contains photography, flash photography, and so be warning, you know. So it's like the next one is going to be extreme images. So I'm going to tell something. What is actually inside the tomb after four days? Are you ready for that? I hope you're not eating anything now. Better to take out from your mouth. Jews did not embalm. They didn't put anything like, a, like Egyptian did. So they usually sprinkle a little bit of uh, spices to get rid of the smell. And they usually at that time dig a big cave or something and take this body a bit more deeper, a little bit away from the ground level so that the smell won't come outside, especially for Jewish people, they're not allowed to touch the dead body. They will be uh, unclean, you know, there are many reasons there. They wrap this body and sprinkle spices uh, it, to, 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 to minimize the smell. That's what happens, what happens in, uh, in four days. His heart, the heart has stopped breathing. Are you agree with that? In England, something else happens, I think. In India, somebody's dead, their heartbeat finish. The body cells are then deprived of oxygen, 
and then begin to die. The blood drains from throughout the circulatory system and the pools and pools in the low places. The muscle begin to stiffen, stiffen or stiffen, stiffen. Then what is known as the Latin word rigor mortis. See, I'm using another language now, rigor mortis. That sets for next three hours, like this. If you are dying in this position, you will be like this for three, three minutes. You, can, you can't do anything. The whole body will be like this, you know. So that is what happening. This is just happening in the three minutes. By 24 hours, the body has lost it all its heat. The muscle then lose their rigor mortis in 36 hours. Then by 72 hours, rigor mortis has vanished. There is no more stiff. It will be kind of wobbly kind of things, you know. All stiffness is gone and the body is soft. Don't try to touch and taste. You know, just, let's, just listen, please. Okay, uh, the soft. Looking a little bit deeper. Are you ready? As the cells begin to die, the bacteria go to work. The body is filled with the bacteria, but that's another subject. The bacteria in the body is a dead person begin to attack, breaking the cells down. The decomposing tissue take a horrific look and the smell and emit green liquid by the 72nd hour. No hallelujah. The tissue releases hydrogen sulfide and methane as well as other gases. A horrible smell is emitted. Insects and animals will consume parts of the body if they can get at it. Let's meet Lazarus. <laughs> this is fourth day. This is the condition. Why Jesus waited four days? He could have come on the first day or second day or even on third day, you know. He waited for the fourth day. According, I was good doing some research, you know. So according to, there was a focal kind of a traditional thing. Even on the third day, the spirit can come back to the body and that person can come back to life. That can happen until the third day. The fourth day is dead. There's no turning back. If Jesus came on second day and he, rose, he raised him from the dead, people say, oh, you know, by the way, you, we know that the spirit came and, you know, so it's, it's happened that one. He deliberately waited and waited so that the people will know this is nothing focal story. This is nothing in a, in a way of spirit coming back. It is absolutely the work of God so that his name will be glorified. As Martha says in verse 39, you know, in John chapter 11, verse 39, Lord, by this time, there will be a stench or smell or odor. I love King James Version, you know. As the King James Version says, he stinketh. <laughs> because he's been dead for four days. I don't know in Yorkshire Bible what that says, you know. So I need to, uh, to, to, to talk to Ginny later, you know. So well, it says, he stinketh. Can you say that word, stinketh? Okay, that's the situation. Fourth day, Jesus, his son will be glorified. You might believe, fourth day, no hope. Everything is absolutely in chaos. If you really think in our life, you know, you might be thinking, 
Many of our circumstances and life situation we are going through is like that. There's no hope. Might be relationship. It could be something happened in your life. It could be someone lost in your life or abuse or past kind of things. It could be some of the terminal illness you're carrying. Medical reports say there is no hope. In the midst of that, you might be living and you're hearing this message this morning. God wants to communicate to you. He is greater. He is higher. He, he wants to demonstrate his, his glory in your life in the midst of all this chaos. I have two boys. They love chocolate. Before dinner or before lunchtime, if they have chocolate, we usually say you can wait till you finish the dinner. You can eat later or ice cream later, wait. But if you give them a chance, what will they do? They eat, you know. But you say, wait. How many parents do that? Wait. Wait. There is a reason for that not trying to control you, not to show that I got the power to stop that ice cream. No, there is a legitimate reason that. We know that. We do know that in our daily life. But when we pray something, when we ask God to do something into our situation, and we want to see a breakthrough in our life, and when God says, wait, we don't like it. We want it now. But He is God. He is good. He's perfect in all of His ways. He knows the time. He knows the season. He knows where to place things in the right place at the right time. We can trust in Him. He knows what to do, how to do in our life. Through that, God wants us to trust in Him so that He can demonstrate His glory in our life. So here, he demonstrated his love through delay. Here, Martha is coming and having a chat to Jesus. Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Does that mean she really believed Jesus was going to raise him from the dead? No, not at all. I call him bumper sticker theology, you know. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You put there, you put there, you put there, but when the reality hit, that's nice words but we struggle. That's what happened in, in Martha's life, you know. If you, if, you, if you had been here, my brother would have, have not, not have died, but, but now, that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Thank you, Jesus. I know that. He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. 
He's going to do that one. Martha, are you listening? Yes, Jesus, I'm listening. I said, he will rise again. Yes, Jesus, I know that he is going to rise again on the day of resurrection. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live. Even though they die, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha had an outstanding understanding in theological terminology. She knew Christology. The theology connected with the Christ and, and everything, you know. He was very good at the eschatology, the coming, the coming, second coming of Jesus. And the, the, rise, the, the dead will be raised from the dead because she's, for probably she was in a Pharisee group or kind of things, you know. So for, for, for all Jesus, she might have heard many times Jesus was talking to Mary while she was doing the cooking. She might be thinking, oh, I can hear that. Jesus said resurrection. Okay, I can hear that. She believed that that's going to happen. But Jesus was trying to get her attention there is a stinger body there there is a there is there is something tragic happened here but forget about that things he was not saying that one but now i want to draw your attention to something greater than that that is me i am the resurrection and life you're not thinking about that fourth day stinger body you're not thinking about something will happen in the future. I want to reveal myself to you. I am the resurrection. He didn't say that I will raise him. No, he said I am the resurrection. He didn't say that I will give him life. I am the life. You're not waiting for something to happen in the future. This is going to happen now because I am the resurrection and the life. What will happen through that? One who believes in him will live even though they die. Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is come into the world. That's profound. In the midst of all the chaos we go through, when we try to see a breakthrough in our little life circumstances, could be job or sickness, or could be anything, financial breakthrough, or fixing your marriage, or, or could be children, or could be, uh, or, or could be anything. But sometimes Jesus wants to get our attention. I can do a breakthrough for you, but I want you to believe I am the resurrection and the life. I want you to look at me as the solution, as the source, as the creator, as the foundation, as the beginning, as the end, not as someone to fix 
your problem so that you can move on and live in a life something will be awesome and wonder on the other side. One day, everything will be fixed. No, God wants to say, now I want to enter into your life. He's trying to entangle or entangle his, her past and bringing the future hope of resurrection into her present life. He wants to invade her life knowing you can experience Jesus now as resurrection and life. Jesus wants to untangle your past today and he wants to bring the future to the present so that you might, you may believe in him and his glory will be demonstrated in your life circumstances now, today, today, today. We are living in an age of skepticism and cynicism. The evidence is immense. The work of God, you undeniably, it's, it's proven again and again and again in the nature, in people's life, even the life of resurrection. Even he, he proved that again and again. Sometimes we can live in, in, in a denial, but today God wants to invade your life, not as a controlling God, but as a father. I am the resurrection and the life. There's a question to Martha. Do you believe that? Give a pause for Lazarus for now. Give a pause for other stuff. Look at me. I am the resurrection and the life. Now Mary came, and she also repeated the same thing. She's the melancholy sister. She won't talk that much. Most of the time she repeats what Martha says. And she came. By the way, have you visited the house? Because, sorry, I took you straight to Martha, you know. I should have taken you to the house first. Are you happy to come with me? That's a Porsche house, okay? The oil they broke, you know, the, the alabaster oil, I don't know what's that word. The oil she broke, you know how much that worth? One year of money. So in maybe 30 grand. That was the one there, just broke at the feet of Jesus. So if you're wealthy, at that time, lots of friends. So lots of Jewish people also there from village and towns because this is a famous house, you know. So this is a well-known wealthy house. And Martha and Mary, so lots of people there. So that's why when Mary came to Jesus, and uh, so lots of uh, Jewish people also came. And when Jesus, when Mary reached the place where Je Jesus, he saw him and fell at his feet. And Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Who said this before? Who said this before? Martha. It's called copycat syndrome, you know. Exactly the same thing. When Jesus saw her weeping, are you ready for some Greek? And the, and the Jews had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit or in spirit and troubled and asked a question, where have you laid him? He asked. 
Come and see, Lord Jesus. Uh, come and see, Lord. They replied. Verse 35, the smallest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. In the English translation, he was deeply moved. In his spirit, he and troubled. And verse 35, he wept. But if you look at the original or the Greek, Mary and the Jewish people, they were weeping. There is a word for that one. That's called kleo. That's a normal lost weep. But in verse 35, kakruo. Okay, you can go and check that one, okay? So that's completely different. You think, oh, they lost Lazarus. They are crying. Here, Jesus lost his friend. He is crying. But if you look at the original word, they are completely different weeping. And if Jesus really wept, I will say that was a fake one. Because he knew that he's going to raise him from the dead. He knew that he's in charge, you know. He knew that he's going to do a miracle. You know, he knew that he's in charge of kind of situation. And if I know that, and, you know, my son is going to get something, I'm very sure about that one. And he's crying. I also start to, Joel. But the chocolate is still in the cupboard, you know. I know that you really want the chocolate. Is it real? He understood the pain. There was a compassion. But the word deeply moved was written in the original. He was outraged. And he wept with a deep disappointment. What is that says? He was, this is my understanding. He was looking at the humanity. The catastrophe that brought to the humanity. The brokenness that brought to the world. The separation that brought between people and men. That spoiled life. That spoiled relationship. That spoiled every area of life because of sin. He loved them. That's why we came. But he was outraged. He expressed this outrage many times. Destroy this temple. On the third day, I will rise again. Can you see that one? No one can take my life. I lay my life down and I will take it back. The light, I'm the light of this world. He is in control. At the same time, John 3.16, God so loved the world. He gave his only son to die in our place. That was not a symbolic, like a sympathetic cry about this little situation. He was looking at the cosmic catastrophe through sin and death. Because this is the last miracle he performed before He's going to die on the cross. The Passover is coming. At the cross, he died for everyone. 
And he was, he was using this resurrection and life moment to demonstrate that. There's only one solution. My death and my resurrection. He was compassionate. He was sympathetic. Jesus wept. My understanding by seeing the lordship, the brokenness of the world. Then he saw and he said, people said how much we loved him. That's their interpretation. We can cry with of joy, desperation, fear. We can cry for different reasons, sometimes out of joy, celebration. Jesus once was deeply moved, come to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, this is the Martha with the amazing Christology and eschatology saying again. By this time there is a bad order. In King James, it stingeth. For he had been there for four days. Jesus said, Jesus said did I not tell you that? If you believe, can you say that word? Believe. Oh, that's really quiet. If you believe, believe, you will see the glory of God. When? Not on the resurrection day. Now. Can you say that with me now? Now. <laughs> now. Christology and eschatology, we can keep it. We can pocket it. We can write it. We can bookshelf it. We can brain it. We can pack it. But God wants to communicate that now. You're going to see the glory. In the Garden of, uh, Garden of Eden, I think Dan mentioned that a couple of weeks back. You know, so it's, it's the Shekinah glory was demonstrated. In, in the wilderness, it was the pillar and the fire was demonstrated. In many places, his glory was demonstrated. Through Jesus, the word became flesh in a, in a human form. It was demonstrated. Now he's going to demonstrate his glory through life. And he's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He is the center of the whole scenario here. Because he died for our sins. He rose again to prove that death could not hold him. He has conquered sin and death. He died according to the scripture. Everything happened not at a random. It was the sovereign plan of God. Even now, when you are hearing the scripture this morning, I want you to believe God is speaking to you because he wants to demonstrate his glory not on the end day, now. You name it, you laid. God, this is my stingeth day. This is my stingeth year. This is my stingeth life. This is my stingeth hope. This is my stingeth past. You laid it. The power of his resurrection can transform inside out by giving you hope, knowing that he is the eternal life. He is the resurrection and he is everything. You can be consumed by his overwhelming power and security and love. And you will be a different person. God wants to invite into that belief 
and he proved it. Isaiah chapter 25 verse 8. He will swallow up death in victory and the Lord God will wipe away the tears of all faces. Jesus demonstrated that there. John 11, 25 to 26. I am the resurrection land life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, he shall live. And everyone who lives, lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this city church? Do you believe, dear guest? Do you believe university students? Do you believe children? God wants to communicate to you. He is the resurrection and life. He wants to demonstrate his resurrection and life in your life. That means even when you die, that is not the end of the story. You have a guarantee of eternal life even now. Now. How many of you watched rugby yesterday? I don't want to bring it back again. So if you really watch closely, even before the game finish, have you seen that they start? Ooh. I was thinking like, wow. They didn't finish the game. The final whistle was not even blown. But they start writing it. The winner of 2019 Rugby World Cup is South Africa. How is possible? I was thinking like God was speaking to me. Yes, it is like that blessing. You don't need to be on the, at the other end to see that one. It's been written. You've been redeemed. You've been saved. You've been washed. You've been restored. You are already resurrected with me now. You are seated with me now. But it will be finally revealed in a specific way one day. But you don't need to wait for that moment. Enjoy now the life with Jesus. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 4, 6, 4. Just as Christ raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. He will give life. He said, I am the resurrection and life. He created everything he lives. He is the resurrection because he not only raised the dead, but he himself was raised from the dead. Because he lives, we live also. He is the first fruit of all who slept. He is the primary one who has come through the grave and outside and won the triumph, glorious resurrection to eternal life for all who believes in him. Do you believe? Do you believe? There is plenty of evidence to believe. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. Muhammad didn't come back from life. Buddha didn't come back from life. Krishna didn't come back from life. Jainism didn't come back from life. Sikh gurus didn't come back from life. Hitler didn't come back from life. Margaret Thatcher didn't come back from life. You know, you name it, you name it. Nobody ever in the history, they rose from the dead. There's only one person. That is Jesus. He was saying that, I am the resurrection and the life. He's here now. Do you believe? Do you want to give your life to him? Do you want to follow him? Or do you want to live in a bumper sticker theology on the wall by expecting one day that will happen? Life is tough, but God wants to untangle your past and bring in the future hope into the present so that now, you can enjoy and celebrate a life with Jesus. And he called, Lazarus, come out. 
Thankfully, he didn't say that, come out. Can you imagine if he just said, come out, what would have happened? All the dead people will come out. So he simply said, wait, wait, guys, guys, hold on. Just Lazarus this time. There's a day coming, I'm going to call everyone. Whether you, whether you, those who believed in Jesus will come up, those who didn't believe in Jesus come up. Everyone will come up one day. And they will, will stand in the presence of God. Then there is a judgment there. Those who will believe, they will be part of the eternal life. The other one will be eternal separation from God. That is John chapter 5, if you want to read that one. One day that's going to happen. Lazarus come out and he demonstrated that. Do you believe?